So today on Digressing Tangents, episode eight, we have Simon Laurie King from the Slick Podcast. Simon, how are you? I'm very well, Rob. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. Big fan. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Likewise, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the last episode with the the truck driver, the litter picker. I thought that lends nicely into kind of a subject that's near and dear to my heart is people who lack responsibility for their actions. Absolutely. Yeah, the guy, um, Martin Burrows from... Uh, truckers cleaning up Britain uh, a really in- interesting guy and he's agreed to come back onto the show but yeah like yourself um, I don't like looking at litter and I have picked it up myself and there are a good few groups around Scotland in fact all of Britain including all of the of Ireland and Wales that do this for free and um, yeah good people good good people yeah um, not just roadsides um, when I lived in South Queensferry, there was a regular beachcombing group that would go out and pick litter up off the off the shoreline there, just on the fourth. You know, obviously, yeah. there's a lot of um, industrialization around that part of the world, and obviously, the the usual things float up: old oil drums and the like, and old fishing nets and such like. And uh, if it wasn't for them going out and clearing it up, I don't think anyone would. So it's 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 nice that some people take responsibility for others' actions, yet that wouldn't be the case if everyone just took responsibility for their own actions. So that, That's very true. And on a weekend like this, we're having really good weather, um, especially the Lockerbie Wombles and Warriors will go to the beach after uh, dozens or hundreds of other people. And you can go onto their website or the Facebook page and have a look at some of the pictures they put up. Uh, the beaches are left in a complete disgrace. And these people come along, I'm sure along with the council as well, let's not leave those out, and they clean up the mess. So, yeah, like you say, it's not just roads. So it's it's the woodlands, farmers' fields, the beach, rivers, anywhere where people would like to picnic. But just, you know, it's plagiarising, you know, uh, leave nothing but footprints and take nothing but pictures. That really, really is true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It reminds me every year or every two years, however often um, uh, Glastonbury is, there's always that picture at the end of the show, isn't it? So all... all these hundreds of people all obviously singing about eco-friendly and trying to be vegan and the love the like, and they leave that field in a mess, don't they? I mean, a yeah. proper, proper mess. Yeah, and, totally. You know, but if you spoke to every single person there individually, they'd all be very much, Oh yeah, we need to save the planet. We're all green, you know? And then you say, well, how many of you were there that was leaving all that rubbish? Do you mean you can't even take a bag of rubbish home with you? Absolutely disgraceful. Um, well, I, I, I actually met um, Robert Evis, the man who uh, started and used to run the, well, he owns everything, the Glastonbury show. The reason I met him was I needed a shortcut when I was with my horse and wagon and uh, from Glastonbury to where the festival held. And it's on the way out of where I was going back uh, to Sussex. It's really hilly and it was easy to go for his farm. But I asked him that question about the litter. And basically, uh, back in the day, which was uh, that was a training run for me. So that'd be like 2001, 2002. He said to me that a lot of the travellers come onto the ground and they get to stay for free, use the amenities and they pick up everything, absolutely everything. But, yeah, it is a big problem, but uh, it doesn't get to stay there. But that's not the point, is it? That all gets picked up at the end of the day. It shouldn't have been left in the first place. That's Correct. that's the point I'm making. Yeah. Um, 
so obviously you, you said you've, you've listened to a couple of the shows i've listened to all your shows um i do understand that you've had a couple that were removed from youtube do you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah I, unfortunately um i had two episodes taken down i currently can't upload any videos i think it's for about a week uh on the simon Laurie king channel. Uh, i'm okay because i had to have to abide to rules and regulations but trying to see those rules and regulations are very difficult now the two episodes were um david ike uh, when it was in review so it didn't go public and also the bart sabrell interview um you can still find the bart sabrell uh on a apple and other podcast platforms but um i'm confident we didn't break the laws of sedition or slander um but i just it is what it is i just have to abide by that um that there is nothing that I can see that, that I've read that says you can't say certain words. So now I obviously mentioned the blue rabbits, which I've had, or information. I chose not to. Some people have had the information once, twice, even thrice. That's all right. But um, we certainly weren't breaking any laws. And there is far, far worse and devious stuff on that particular platform, which I would rate as should never be on there. But that's me. I'll abide by the rules. There's other platforms um it's just what it is they could have completely thrown me off forever but they didn't so i'm okay with that yeah i'm I'm always happy for people to have their own like you know if you're invited in someone's house their house their rules that's perfectly acceptable however yeah. on a public platform when they seem to quite openly discriminate against some people for some information and others for other information it makes you wonder why the need to 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 be like that i mean there's a there's a cracking meme going around which rings very true fact checkers weren't a thing until the truth started coming out so <laughs> but it, yeah that, that that's, that's about right yeah we we laugh and, and you know we as as like you know moderately sensible people can understand the irony on it of it but uh there are those that are and I'm going to say, I'm not happy with the whole left-right thing, but we'll just say the people on the far left don't seem to understand the hypocrisy that they are responsible for on a day-to-day -day basis, where they'll shout one thing one day and another the other, and they don't understand why we, we're not kowtowing to their every whim. And you say, well, you just can't make a bloody decision. You're always, you're always doing one thing and doing another. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, you need to have a, a level playing field for, for all involved, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, we weren't calling for sedition. Um, there were two words uh, that were used, and that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, David Icke obviously is famous for being a researcher, successful author, public speaker. He was on British television in the early to late 80s as a sports presenter. He was a professional footballer. To my uh, knowledge, he's got no criminal record hasn't been convicted of any heinous crime. Uh, then we have Bart Sabrell, um, who is a researcher, an author, former filmmaker, very successful filmmaker, uh, and uh, I would say also famous for being punched in the face by Buzz Aldrin for calling him a liar. Now, if those three things, so two words and being Bart Sabrell, uh, get me struck off, there is something very, very wrong, because you can see any amount of violence, sexual or uh, edit on. Now, this is not, oh, you've been looking. No, no, no. It's in your face and I don't want any of it. Yet three words or one person and two words have, have, have got it banned. Again, this is not sour grapes. It's more of a big, big, big disappointment.
you know, a big disappointment. Uh, and that's really, uh, that's where I'll leave that because there's, there's nothing I can do. And I'm happy to stay on to YouTube uh, and happy to uh, know in my heart, uh, I, I, I or my guests have done nothing wrong at all. Yeah, I, I think you can, like, say hand on heart, say that, you, you know, you're at least you're on, on the high ground, the moral high ground, you know, for, for doing the right thing and knowing that you've not done anything wrong and anything they accuse you of is purely their, their own... Uh, what's there is a word for it, but it's they, they project onto you what what they don't like. Don't you? I mean that that's that's the bottom line there. That they know they're doing wrong, but they can't admit it, so they just have to bareface, you know. Yeah. Plow, in psych, in, sorry, in psychology they would call it mirroring. So we might come across that, people in our everyday life that 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 uh, shout at you and and accuse you of stuff that's actually they are doing themselves. So the best thing I do when I encounter that, I mean, there's another word for an energy vampire. Um, I carry a Hexenspiegel, uh, but that's another talk for another time. But uh, basically, it's just a nod uh, sweetly and agree and, yep, you know, just diffuse the situation. But that's that's called mirroring in psychology. But that is a corporate level. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cor- corporate level mirroring. Um, it's like there was a guy on YouTube. I don't know if he's still on. Um, and it was... It was red pill something, um, but I remember him saying the you know the, the basically the fact checkers have got corporate sponsorship now. Do you mean you like to say that they can hide the truth because they've got the big tech companies backing the lies effectively? So mm-hmm. they they have they've literally got corporate sponsorship for for telling the lies without any comeback whatsoever. But it's fascinating to watch in real time. Yeah, I mean you've got. Uh... You've got things, I mean, the truth sometimes, it isn't all dark, uh, but it's essential to know. Uh, an example of this would be the Emergency First Base Food Agency. Um, and I asked Mark, or I, I, I kind of made a statement that uh, amongst uh, the last couple of years, uh, whether it be foreign conflict, whether it be domestic issues with uh, blue rabbits, whatever it is, okay, where are the cameras at the food banks? Where are the cameras? Because it's not sexy. It's not Armani. It's not Ferrari. It's not... Um, I don't know, stars in the rice, whatever the hell it is, it's not sexy. And, you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to be true, if you're going to be real, you know, you have to look at the truth impartially. You know, there are people that haven't got food, that go hungry, uh, that have got jobs. And there are things that people think in this country that's wrong. So talk to them. They're not seditious. And they're not calling for violence. Don't just cover it up, put your finger in your ears and go, la, 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 you're a bad person. Why? Why? You know, if there's a problem, then then come shoot it down, you know, or, or just don't, don't, you know, the media, uh, thankfully yourself, me and the hundreds of thousands of podcasters that take upon themselves to be uh, unpaid social media journalists uh, are really, as far as I'm concerned, the mainstream news now. And my show is nowhere close to what you guys do. But would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, no, 100 um, it, percent. It's a. Uh... Like I say, it's fascinating to watch it in real time because I, uh, do I remember a time when there was actually investigative journalists who would dig up a story and find the story and, and report on it objectively? And then now, like I say, they, they just blatantly lie to your face. And you know they're lying because they're not – they are definitely far from being impartial. 
regard you know no matter how you cut it you can tell they are definitely pushing a narrative and then you can notice this in real time on the streets when you uh, if you spoke to someone and said about the information said how many times have you received the information have you had it once twice three times and why did you get it you know why did you accept mm-hmm. the information and they might say oh well it, it it's safe and effective and i wanted to go on holiday not not once would they say it, it was for my own health or, or anything like that. It's I wanted the pubs to open. I wanted to go on holiday. But the safe and effective thing was a mantra. Or why aren't you accepting the information? Do you want to kill granny? Do you mean you're like mm-hmm. all talking points and that's all you've got is rhetoric and talking points. You've got no facts. You've got no figures. You've got no no alternate thought process involved in the whole system and then when you point out that there are doctors with other information that want to tell people about the information and they're being silenced because it doesn't fit the narrative and obviously like i say fact checking is great you know because it only happens when the truth's trying to get out that's very true or or, um i i would think you know fact checking the, the great thing about the internet one of the good things the internet isn't bad it's like a, a gun you're a shooter uh, both a military man but also former gamekeeper i do listen to your episodes by the way uh, yeah. so you understand that that a uh, that really you know unless you're a soldier your gun is not a weapon everything else is is an inanimate object it's how you use it so a gun is not dangerous to people same with the truth or the facts i worry for this world greatly because it seems that the world is the subject of a hostile nefarious takeover bid by um, power-hungry people, uh, the only reason that I can think is that they can. And, you know, don't, I, I don't want, I don't want um, revolution. I don't want people to be seditious. But what I do want is for people to start living, being truthful, and realising that, you know, this is not a good place to be in. You know, it's not a good place at all. You know, whether you're talking blue rabbits, whether you're talking the information or whether you're talking it's them and us. It isn't. We're in this together, and let's try and sort this mess out. So on, so on that note, then, um, when was your red pill moment when you realised that the world wasn't as portrayed? Was, um, was I, there... God, I was just going to say, was there a defining moment or... Or is it a slow, slow, steady realization? Yeah, I think the second one, Rob, definitely the second one from being born. Now, the human body, um, correct me if I'm wrong here or if you know, the what I've been led to believe is the human body renews completely, apart from what's inside, you know, whatever looks out from behind our eyes. But everything else renews about every seven months. Is that about right? Yeah, everything. I've I've heard that up until a certain age, and then then it then it stops. But yeah, apparently you're you're a new person every every seven months or so. Apparently, yeah. So so when I was born, from my mother, you know, bless her, um, I have been on a journey, a shamanic journey of shape shifting and learning inside. You know, equal to any mushroom trip or anything. I have been. You know, people think shape shifters aren't a thing. I could assure you, on this particular level. Um, they are a thing and it's, it's us. So I've been shape-shifting, I've been learning and I've been on this journey. And through my life, whether it be 
sent to boarding school thinking, why? <laughs> and then, or right now, you know, listen to your podcast, talking to you, making, making good people and, and having the advent of the internet or the advent of the internet in our home the last, uh, I don't know, uh, 13 years. I suddenly had this amazing information dump where I could, all the things I'd experienced, I could maybe determine whether they were real or not real. And because of this information and because of uh, growing awareness, being an older male, um, I've just, it's just started, and especially these last couple of years, not accepting everything that I'm seeing to be as it is. Now, if anybody from authority says this, 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 I'll check that unless I know it to be true. But if anybody isn't in authority and says this, 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 I will still check that because there are many moments throughout this shamanic journey, this shape shifting, this awareness gathering uh, that I've suddenly thought, really? Nah. And then, oh, crap. And and it, it's just like you open your eyes every morning to just that little bit more fuckery added to your day. And it's not my doing. It's not my doing. Believe me, if it was Simon's world, it would be a lot more groovy, or at least I'd definitely try. So <laughs> that's the answer to that. But let me ask you, it's your show. What was your red pill moment? This can't be just one-sided. What was yours? Um, I, I would say my my defining Redmond moment was um, was 9-11. I mean, I'd, I actually, when I went to school, we actually got taught that the JFK assassination couldn't have happened the way it was advertised. You know, we did a, a whole... Um, a whole two or three days on looking at the information and all the um, the the words the, the, uh, the words escapes me now the inconsistencies of mm-hmm. of the whole you know the the gun that you know even in expert hands could only fire you know one or two rounds every so many seconds because it was a bolt action uh, you know mathematically impossible for him to fire the amount of rounds he did the magic bullet that went in one way back out the other way and then up and then back round do you mean though they just we just went through the whole thing and they said so you know can't be true you know um i then did college i did media uh media and information at college and this was pre-internet now so we were learning things like photocopiers and how to do things like that we also learned news and how you could again how you could manipulate news by if you've got a crowd of people and there's a handful being violent you can zoom in on that a nice close shot and say look at all these people being violent and all you're zooming in on you could have a hundred thousand people three people being violent and with the right camera angle it can make the whole mob look violent you know mm-hmm. i remember all this and then the day of 9 11 when i uh, i was a truck driver at the time and i just got back about two o'clock in the afternoon from a like an, i started at two in the morning went to my bank the bank door was shut the lady had to open the door let me in and she saw there's a plane hit a, a banking building in america and I just thought it'll be a small, you know, Cessna or something that's taken off from a local airport and just done that. Yeah. So go home, turn the news on. And there, there's the second plane being shown on the loop, just crashing into the building. And then I watched when the towers came down. My first thought was that's very clever how they've designed these buildings to already have the charges in place because it was quite clearly a controlled demolition. And I thought, Oh, I wonder if that's how they do it in America. They have them all preset in case of this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, the next thing they're going on about, Oh yeah. The structural integrity was damaged because of the jet fuel. And I thought this, this isn't right. And then I was expecting stupidly enough that the BBC were going to call out the American news and say, no nah, mate, that's, not, that's not, what you're saying. Doesn't add up. And they all start 
they all started singing from the same song sheet. And I thought, well, what fuckery is this? You know? You know, that was, and I just thought, I, I can't believe this. And I spoke to people down the pub, and it was like 50-50. Some people said, oh, it was a terrible tragedy. And some people said, nah, there's something fishy about that. And then years later, you start finding, you know, again, the internet comes around, um, and, you, and you start looking down these rabbit holes, and you start seeing things like, you know, Building 7. You know, and then, uh, and then you find out about the gold deposits in there. Then you start finding about the paperwork and a lot of the paperwork that was soon to be released to the public, you know, unredacted, that was all burnt up about other things. It was just a litany of things that you just suddenly went, well, I can't believe everyone is buying this. Uh, what was it? Mass mass psychosis is the new phrase now, isn't it? Mass formation psychosis, where everyone is just literally brainwashed into it. But that, oddly enough, leads me back round to ask you a question uh, something you said earlier when you said, why, you know, it, you know, is it about money? Is it about power? Why would they do this? Now, I had this thought the other day. There was a time in history, so we're told, uh, I'll preface this by so we're told, that Homo sapiens live side by side with Neanderthals. And at some point, we just beat them to the punch and we kind of wiped them out. Maybe there was a big war. Maybe we just beat them at the resources and they just dwindled. And eventually they ceased to exist like a lot of animals sadly do these days. Just were just beaten to the punch by a, 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 an air quote superior species. Do you think it's feasible that there is still two lines of people on the planet and one is just more psychopathic than the other? I'm at the moment um, very lucky because I've been um, a friend of the show, Howard Mikowski, um has sent a uh, manuscript to myself and a few others to review an ongoing book. Uh, now, Howard Mikowski is a very, very clever man, uh, an extremely good and thorough researcher. And one of the points he makes in this book, and I won't tell you, I mean, I. I, well, as soon as the book's out, um, I will read all of it and I will rave whether Howdy's on the show or not. Honestly, what I've read so far is amazing. But anyway, one of the points he raises um, is, in a nutshell, we ain't from round here. So everything else, like a sheep or a cow or an insect or a bird, doesn't need tools. We do. So uh, we're not from round here. So to answer your question, that is very possible, yes. Now, in a previous show with Jared, um, I think it was in the outro that I suggested that uh, maybe uh, we are the aliens. Uh, I'm not talking about building pyramids. Just forget that bit at the moment. I'm just talking maybe the survivors from uh, another star system or, or, or maybe genetic experiment. But there certainly was the Mark One, the Mark Two, the Mark Three. Fill in the blank. The Denificent, the Denificent, I can't even say it right. The Neanderthals. Um, yeah, there's just so many different races. Now, if it was uh, a disease set in place to basically have a mass cold, so you only have Homo sapiens as we are now, and some other that maybe you're seeing as UAPs or as demons or something like that, that's very possible because one person's magic is another person's science and physics, whether it be the classical physics we understand or the spooky action of quantum physics, which is complete and utter mind-blowing, uh, uh, what would you call uh, genre or, or that sort of thing. But, yeah, I think it's possible that there's definitely two or multiple races because uh, you've got things like Bigfoot and not it's not, again, conspiracy. It's just when cryptids have been reported time and time again through history books in this country, America, throughout Europe, um, China, 
um, cryptids or legends of non-humans, yes, I think it's definitely possible. And case in point, I don't think as a race, a species on this planet, we are the most intelligent. I mean, we basically crap in our own backyard um, and we make a mess. Uh, we're constantly at war uh, and we think, let's go to Mars or let's colonize the moon. Uh, no, just leave the crap behind. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So there is another race. I'm not really quite surprised that they are actually ahead of the game. Is that too long an answer? No, 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 no. I think that, that's that's the kind of answer I was hoping for. Oddly enough, I had a, uh, I've recorded a show with Karen B and we discussed Bigfoot because she's had personal experience with it. And it, I found the whole the whole thing fascinating you know especially when you talk to someone that's witnessed something like that firsthand but it also leads me um back to graham hancock and fingerprints of the gods when i read that back in uh i'm gonna say that it was it came out in the 80s late 80s but when i read it and i remember thinking oh that makes more sense you know the, the whole uh society with amnesia you know and we've forgotten probably more than we actually remember due to a big reset and then like you said if you go culturally throughout like all the cultures uh, across multiple continents they all have the flood story they all have the, the you know the rebirth story so yeah there's got to be something to it whether it's as as we think it is or whether it's a variation thereof the whole tartaria um uprising seems to be uh, growing legs and arms and, and running amok throughout the internet. Uh, I think some people have gone a bit too wonky with it, but I think there's something there. I mean, I've got old atlases that show a place called Tataria. Um, I found an old newspaper article where um, the, uh, the Turks, not Turks, the Armenians had had a fight with the Tatarians. Uh, and I think that was, I'm going to say 19, 1921 was the newspaper article so that's not that long ago and tatarians were actually mentioned in a news article and then now when you say to people have you heard of the tatarians they go nah, don't know what you're talking about jermaine and in the big scheme of things that's not a long time ago no not at all and it's only it's only three or four generations for complete amnesia or just like the slight memories it's, it's, i remember when this is not political it's actually a thing Okay, when it always used to be Great Britain this, Great Britain that. Now it's been fade out of Britain. Now, it, it, I'm not talking about, are we great or we're not great? Because at the end of the day, if somebody asks me where I'm from, I inevitably, uh, I inevitably say, what, where I live or where I'm from? Where you're from? I'm from Earth. Yeah, but where you were born? Well, I was born in Devon, but I am from Earth. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, but but the, the thing about the phasing out of certain facts, we're not going to know. We are not going to know, you know, in three or four generations uh, at all. I mean, again, another point I would say is uh, about all the technology and stuff. Say 100 years ago, maybe, well, maybe 130 years ago, um, where I live um, on the on the estate, they used to make their own gas for the lamps. They used to get coal and they used to extract that and they used to make their own gas. They had a massive greenhouse growing all, the, all their own food. They would um, run a water wheel in the river and uh, have a PTO So and that would run the bands or, or anything they, they needed. I mean, they, as far as I, I'm concerned they were living in harmony more than we are today. And they were more technologically savvy because if it has a computer chip, then, we, then there is then there is a, a point where there is a, um, 
a, a, this is the point you're going to break down built into it. You know, you'll get a thousand on-offs, on-offs, on-offs. That could be cars, fridge, freezers, washing machines. But back then, yeah. everything was built to last. And I think we've not only forgotten that time and celebrated it and not try to get back to that. I don't mean, you know, poverty, because it was, but I mean in forward thinking. Yeah, no, no. Um, that You just said something that reminded me of an estate I worked on up in the north of Scotland, and that was boat access only, so you had to cross the lock to get to it. And there was an old boy there that had been there pretty much since he was 18, uh, and he was in his late 80s when we met him and he he said the only thing that the estate used to get delivered was salt and mail everything else was sourced there you know they they hunted red deer they had cattle they had dairy cattle where they would milk you know so they made their own cheese their own butter uh, they grew all their own veg the only thing they couldn't make was salt and obviously the mail that was the only things that came across on the boat wow. and i and i found that fascinating Mm-hmm. And that skill's lost now. If you look at a lot of the old farm buildings, and you'll know this, if you see an old farm building that's been hit by a tractor or something like that, uh, you're looking at a wall to the left. When you look at the right, it is made up of hundreds or thousands of different shaped stones, yet the wall is perfect. That particular yep. type of building technology and craftsman, okay, you have your stone dikers, but very few and far between. But on a mass scale, we don't build it like that anymore. So any modern house that you can... Uh, a big uh, size pair of 11s that I've got, crowd control boots, I can kick my way through practically every wall. These houses, <laughs> these things, no, it's true, is it not? You know, you've <laughs> seen them for yourself. Absolutely, 100% true, yeah. Yeah, I- I've seen, um, uh, like, again, what is plasterboard? You know, a wall looks solid, and I've seen people in um, y- your modern builds where they've had, a, 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 let's say, a, a libation or two, and then they fall over and they just literally fall into a wall and they leave a, a human imprint, you know, yeah. where it just buckles, you know? And, and I mean, if you're lucky, they hit where a stud is and the studs, uh, I'm going to say 600 mil. So about 60 centimeters apart, depending on how, um, yeah, give or take. So th- there's a, a, there's a limited percentage chance that you're going to hit a big open gap and go through it. Like you say, and if you really needed to, y- you could literally punch your way out of a house, you know, up until the outer yeah. wall, you know? Yeah, exactly. So you could say the same for a modern house where somebody may say, um, my house is worth two, three hundred, whatever, you know, thousand pound. But if you were to break that house down, even carefully, if it's possible, and return all the all the materials. I mean, you can't return the dirt, the land, Mother Earth, call it what you want. But everything else, is that two or three hundred thousand pound? I would ask, I would say not a Lamborghini brand new off of the production line. Taken next door to the scrap, not as in we break any car.com. I'm talking a certificate of destruction. Is that 300 grand worth of car? No, probably not. Probably 200 pounds scrap value. So the truth and common sense um, are, are, are seriously lacking when it comes to, you know, thinking laterally, think outside the box, you know, look at your history to determine your future, you know, you know, and, and your, and your present, maybe I'm going up a bit tangent here, but that's what your podcast is about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, but you're right. I mean, people lose track of, uh, that, that, sorry, because there was a, there used to be a saying that it's, and I'm going to butcher this now, that the trick is to know the value of everything is not to know the cost of everything, but the value of things is that's yeah. a long, I mean, cause there is a difference between what something costs you and what its value is because, push come to shove if you have um if we had an economic collapse 
things like water and food would suddenly become more valuable to people than a, a healthy bank account or, or uh, their black credit card or your gold credit card, because you'll suddenly realize no matter how much money you've got in the bank, if you can't buy what you need, that you things you need, not what you want, but you know, food and water and such like, or even possess the skill set to know how to gather water or food, you know, people will, you know, two, two meals from, oh, I'm going to say two meals from anarchy, two meals from chaos, because they always conflate the two words, which really annoys me. So, yeah, chaos would, would ensue very quickly once uh, once people couldn't get what they actually need to survive and not the, what they want. The, the sad part is, in my humble opinion, um, I think that everybody in the planet... Um, there is no need for them to go hungry or thirsty or homeless, uh, but there is no profit in doing the right thing. And as far as modern build houses, why not? Why not? Uh, like, like you said, uh, don't look at the cost, look at the value. Why not build them the old styley? You know, why not do that? And so it will last. I mean, what happened to the uh, council houses? I mean, they, oh, well, I know people had the right to buy. Fair enough, if you can. But um, they were for the people. And I would question what right did the council have to, to to sell those when they were for the people that couldn't afford? I can't afford to buy a 100,000, 200, 300,000 pound house. And to be honest here, if I had that sort of money, I, what would I buy? I would probably buy either a landing craft or one of those uh, dolphin sub jet ski things. I'd, I'd be terrible with money. I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> do it. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't do it in bricks and mortar. And I find it obscene, absolutely obscene. And I keep saying it, you know, as a species, we should be far more than we are today. You know, far more. We should embrace who we were, you know, not who we're becoming. You know, who we're becoming, if it goes out of control, uh, is 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 terrifying. Who we were, you know, who, where we came from, what we were able to do as a people together. It's a wondrous thing, whether it be art, literature, uh, uh, you know, water purification, uh, gathering solar power. It, that's a wonderful thing. You know, not uh, going out into space. That's a waste of money. Taking poverty and inequality into space and beyond. That's not right. But we as humans could do so much more and be so much more. Sorry, Rob. Oh, go on. No, no, you're, you're right. Um, it, it is. It's a it's a bizarre concept when they say we, we should be at, like every generation. We should be improving and getting, um, for, for example, like we, we should be working less and playing more. In, in in reality, we should be less beholden to the system because technology should make our lives easier. What's what's happening is we're being enslaved by technology and we suffer badly from this concept that no matter how benign or beneficial a technology is, the instant something is invented, someone wants to weaponize it and weaponize it either as a, a weapon of war or weaponize it as a form of control. There's, there's lots of types of weaponization. And, and they're not always uh, destructive. Sometimes they're psychological. And this this is a, a paradigm we're stuck in. I think, I mean, you've said yourself, um, I think you don't have a TV. You you try to limit your, your screen time. And these are all valid things that everyone should try and do. But unfortunately, people have got into this this rut where they think they can't do without the TV, can't do without the mobile phone, can't do without the laptop, can't do with the tablet. Jermaine, it's, it's one of these, again, fascinating to watch in real time. Um, when, I, when, when I first moved to Scotland um, after traveling the country with a horse and wagon for four months, um, 
I had decided that I wanted to set up a thing called the Pony Scouts. And that was basically rescuing horses. It doesn't mean like kicking down the door, killing terrorists and get, getting the horses the hell out of there by chopper. I mean, like, you know, looking after horses that people no longer could care for you. And the healthy horses, um, basically, you'll get groups of, well, anybody from kids to adults, uh, all abilities to basically uh, learn about horsemanship, learn about what it is to look after a horse, realize that if it wasn't a horse, uh, we wouldn't be where we are because of the Industrial Revolution and so forth. Whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, there are some positive. But I wanted to take people uh, across the land as a group. Um, you could have uh, ex-army guys in there as instructors, horse people, and moving as a group, you know, again, leaving nothing but footprints, taking nothing but pictures, and, and maybe uh, halfway through your journey at night, meeting up with gamekeepers or poachers so they could tell stories or show people they're in the group by the fire that had to whittle a basket. Far more interesting, far more productive, far more awesome and groovy than sitting on an iPhone, burning the back of your irises out and staring into something that looks like light, but I suspect actually isn't. Over to you. Well, that's a nice segue. So, blue pill. If you had a choice of taking the blue pill, would uh, well, would you a take it, and b if you could take it and start again, any point in time, would you and where would you? Okay, the last point of that last story I said. The only reason I didn't do it is because the health and safety, uh, the the cost of the insurance was astronomical. That's the only reason. You guys aren't able to join the Pony Scouts and be in the middle of nowhere enjoying the horse and everybody's company with not an iPhone around. If there was, it would be in the bottom of a river. Anyway, <laughs> right. So the blue pill moment, my blue pill moment, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I would, it's tempting, but I wouldn't wish to suddenly um, be somewhere else in another time. I've enjoyed my shape shifting. I've enjoyed my journey. It's been full of tears, full of uh, uh, wall punchingly, blood spitting moments. But it's made me who I am, and it's also gifted me my beautiful wife of 29 years, Jet. Um, she's awesome, and I would not have wanted to put anything to chance, uh, past, present, or certainly future, to have changed that. Uh, if I could wish it on <laughs> those who I believe are, are uh, creating difficulty, yeah, I'd send them back to the um, probably the time of the... Um, Cretaceous period and just forget about it. But no, I, th I think we need to. I think we need to remember. I need to remember. So when it's my turn to pass through the Great Vale into whatever is in the next side, I can say, you know, I I've done my best. I mean, I haven't done my best all my life. You know, as a teenager, completely naive, I could have probably done with a little bit more body oral hygiene. You know, <laughs> as a lot of teenagers, you know. But you know, I wasn't a bad lad. I wasn't a thief, but I was certainly naive. So from that point. Um, I certainly wouldn't go back and tell myself to get a grip. I'd just laugh at myself because I actually had hair back then. I had dreadlocks. Awesome. But um, no, I, I think I'm OK where I am. And uh, I think it's our duty, yourself, me uh, and everybody on the planet to be aware, be in the moment, uh, realise either, you know, we're headed to something bad or we can head to something so beautiful. Good, good point. I, I actually made this point on uh, an unreleased episode at the moment where I, I said sometimes just being aware is is armor enough because being completely blindsided by something is far worse than planning for the, the you know planning for the best and sorry planning for the worst and hoping for the best um i think i'm kind of aware that things might go south very quickly that's uh, in the back of my mind but i don't it doesn't 
Um, it doesn't affect my every waking moment. I don't sit, you know, crying in, in a darkened room, worrying about what might happen next week. I'm aware that it might happen. I have contingency plans and I just hope I don't have to use them. And it's there. It's um, a tool in my toolbox. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't like thinking about the, you know, the worst case possible, possible scenario. I've tried to, uh, I've, t- I've tried well, to do my best, you know, both psychologically, physically, uh, but also I also know that everything was once a thought, every thought can become a thing. And if enough people think that the end is nigh, then sure enough, the end will be nigh. And I don't mean to be naive, but I also think whether they play um, We Are The World, the remix in the 80s, that's an awesome song. Some song, even if it's Martha and Bandellas, every single morning, blast it out, get some funkiness out there and we can change now and it sounds oh what is this guy on i'm actually on nothing but if, if there's enough people thinking about negativity it'll be so so we need to switch it around and think about positivity not being naive and not putting our heads in the sand but it needs to be equal where people buy food for 30 years and dig a bunker and you know full metal jacket anyone comes onto my land they'll be dead yeah but then put enough positivity in learning the mantras like the guy had to do mantra or and, and 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 just start being natural. Just start thinking positively, you know, because we need that as well. Yeah. So would you say that would be your your black pill is that not enough people will take on board living for the moment and being positive? My black pill moment is relatively simple. Uh, my black pill moment, in those, as in worst case scenario, is that humanity allows itself or votes itself, whether through coercion or trickery or some sort of black magic spell, um, uh, gets itself into complete and utter solitude where they no longer live with each other, uh, maybe next door to each other, but they can't hear or see each other. And they are happy with that. We've become, we're already semi-automatous, or if that's the word, with our, with, or symbiotic. I have a symbiosis with our mobile technology. No one I know in, in, Western civilization, as far as I know, is not has a symbiosis. You know, you have your local guru. He's hip, blah blah blah. He's on his, he's on Twitter. He has been affected this way too. <laughs> so my my black pill moment is that we are completely melded with technology. We lose our identity. We lose our freedom. We lose our hopes, and we lose all semblance of being human. Which, by the way, is was and can be again a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, hundred percent. That there was um, there was a film, and I can't remember when it was released. It was it's I'm going to say fairly old. Uh, Bruce Willis, and it's called Surrogates, and that's about um, virtual reality technology that gets basically adopted by pretty much everyone because it's far better to be in the virtual world than the real world. And the start, if you're gonna, if you don't want to watch the whole film, watch the first five minutes because it's news clips like a spiel where this um, robotic technology is used to help um, war victims, you know, that that have lost, lost limbs and then it helps other people. And it's all positive, 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 positive. And then eventually it gets to a point where people say, do you know what? You're far safer sat in your house in the chair in virtual reality than you are leaving the house and potentially getting hit by a car or, you know, and they take, they basically sell everyone on this virtual reality world through safety. You know, it's yeah. for your own safety and your own good. And it's a fascinating 
opening sequence where you can see the news, the manipulation and the narrative being pushed to make people want to have this particular technology because it's far safer to stay in your house and just get your food delivered. Um, and then the film goes off, you know, um, he's a detective searching for a, 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 I won't spoil it, but you're not supposed to be able to get murdered. You're not supposed to be able to get murdered in, in virtual reality, but someone does. And then they start tracing the, the software and trying to figure out how it was possible for someone to be killed, you know, while sat in the chair in the house, but fascinating film. Uh, interesting cinematography, like with a, a use of kind of black and white and off kind of colors. Uh, so they distinguish between being in the real world and the um, artificial world. But that's not the only film. I mean, there was a TV series called Caprica that was based on a similar thing. It was a prequel to Battlestar Galactica. That was very interesting. That was very um, virtual reality based, uh, as well as good films like uh, Ready Player One. You know, it's there in the psyche. People are thinking it and probably wanting it to happen. Would you say some people say, oh, I can't wait to stick a headset on and not have to go to work? Yeah, that, that that's I mean, to me, um, uh, people like that, um, people that it's, it's, the analogy to me is I, I, I was in a room and with all the people that loved me and I loved them. Uh, and then one got bit by a zombie and in turn, they all turned. Uh, and we were, I was no longer in a room with people that loved me. We looked the same, but not. So you could say, well, that's the same as the information or the same as the Blue Rabbits. It's just, no, I, I, I just can think of nothing worse than humanity selling out for the thing that is shiny and goes ping. I'd like, I'd like if I may, to just read you something that kind of sums up where, what I'm thinking generally, if I may. Uh, absolutely. Far away. Thank you. Um, this is the death of common sense. And I wrote this uh, a few years ago um, <laughs> and it's just becoming more prevalent. The death of common sense has been underreported lately as a coup d'etat has taken the world by storm. Now upon his throne, stupidity holds counsel with callousness, greed, hate and war. All of whom smugly agree it seems like a darker future ahead. Stupidity calls for suffering, but she is busy in foreign lands at present. So war is sent with a message to bring her home. Meanwhile, in her stead, callousness and hate shall do her bidding until she returns. So the word goes out. Common sense is dead. Stupidity and its ways now rule us all. And that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, I, I've said for many a, a year that common sense is so rare now it's considered a superpower. So it's, it is an... Un, I don't know. I mean, where... where like. Go back to, like you say, technology, our advancements as as a species. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that long ago that they were telling us to stop our kids from eating soap detergents that looked like that, that were colorful plastic bags full of, you know, kids started eating them. And then all of a sudden there was a big uprising about, you know, telling your kids not to eat them. Uh, and then there's the, you know, things like the plank challenge, the cold water challenge, the crate challenge, people breaking legs and limbs, you know, just to get a, a few clicks on TikTok or YouTube. And you think this is where we're at. We, we were supposed to have flying cars by now. You know? Yeah. Well, do you remember in the time of the conquistadors uh, and I bet the, um, the South American Indians, the Maya and that basically, you know, think, oh, crap, why don't we just go back into the rainforest and not go, hey, over here, which is what basically Seti's doing. But anyway, but if you remember, any culture that uh, West has encountered has always bring uh, brought shiny mirrors and beads and 
things of magic. And I would look, uh, going back to your point, do you think there's two species that are interacting or one controlling? Well, what if the shiny balls and mirrors and sharp knives are now the shiny things that go ping that is known as technology? The wondrous things will sell our land, our freedoms for, I just need one of those things. What do you think about that? Uh, it's well I, I was yeah well you see it happening don't you that's that's I, like again it's it's fascinating to watch it in real time that there are people that would literally sell their, their last thing i think there's quite literally i think if people thought they could sell their soul and get the latest shiny ping they, they would mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, again but i but i see that as social engineering i i, I watch I mean, I don't watch the news religiously, but I occasionally end up because uh, of where I work, we have a TV, you know, on. Mm -hmm. So I walk in and out and I, I'll catch stuff sometimes on the radio, sometimes on the screen. Uh, and I just think to myself, well, that's obviously propaganda. And you look around and people are staring slack jawed at it, you know, just mm -hmm. so you say you can you can see it in their faces. They're absorbing every last bit that's coming out of that screen. And not one questioning thought has passed through their ears. You know, and I, I find I, that a worry, you know, oh, critical yeah. thinking. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it, the thing with the biggest bugbear with television for me, it was like the rifle analogy. It's just a rifle. It's a nerd. It can't do anything. Same as the telly. I'm sure there are stuff on there, nature programs, blah, 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 that people enjoy it. Right. But my thing was um, not only would it bleed through. Um, as in moods, but I kind of had an out of body thing where I could see myself and Jet for a good hour, hour and a half, two hours, three hours, just sitting there. I couldn't see the telly, sitting there, not moving, not talking to each other, not holding hands, just like sitting there and staring. And I just thought, oh, shit, really? And then I kind of like woke up and thought, what the fuck was that? And then obviously there was the sound of plunk, plunk, crash. And then obviously Jet's gone, where's the telly? But anyway, that's another story. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just, it's just the, the mesmerism, the mesmerism of it all, the ways that are able to grab people's attention. You like the, the balls and the mirrors. You know, we bring these from the Queen in the East and they are for you, you know, to show her Majesty is pleased with you or, or his Majesty is pleased with you or the world leader. You know, you know, you will obey, but here's this. And it just seems that the morals, the scruples, the, the, the what's right, the law and justice, everything is just upside down at the moment. People don't have an identity and, and, and people are just you know, crying at the bit for more violence, whether it be on the television, whether it be on social media or whether it be live from certain countries. We need to like step back and think, what the hell are we doing? Turn off those televisions, turn off those screens, go outside, meet your neighbours, stand on the grass as I do with the shoes and socks off, okay, and just sleep breath, like you're asleep. And it doesn't mean snoring. Uh, just just be still. You don't have to om. You don't have to listen to music. All of the above are okay. But just be still. And you're not going to get any benefits straight away that you'll see. It's like somebody's dehydrated had a glass of water. They're not fixed instantly, but it does help. So done often enough, you know, you, you discharge all of that time that you've been building up static electricity on your body, on carpets, on concrete, on tarmac. Uh, on your second floor amongst the sheets, wearing clothes that build up stag. And all of a sudden, you will become calm. Your, your, your shit will still be there when you, when you wake up out of this calm moment. You know, if you've got problems in your life, they'll still be there. But the difference is that particular 10 minutes, 20, 15, an hour, whatever it is, is yours to be still. No music, no social media. And if any thoughts come into your head, 
just imagine a traffic like road you're facing a road and you're being still you sleep breath and you can either open your eyes or not and you can just see this traffic whizzing past you in front those are your thoughts let them go don't get into them acknowledge them and move on because this is your time not to stare at scare at stare at a screen not to scream at anybody not to have an opinion about anything that's good or bad just be still i, th- I think people um underestimate that you know that that whole process you've just described just taking a minute and and being still like i said earlier about like my black pill um i'm aware that it might happen and i've got that as as a as a backstop in my mind but it doesn't control me you know mm-hmm. and i take i regular because i've i as a as an independent researcher i i do come across some incredibly dark stuff and I make sure that on a regular basis, I take plenty of time just to decompress and, and recenter myself. Because if you don't, you'll, you'll end up a, a gibbering mental wreck if you let this stuff get a, a proper hold of you. You need to be objective, factual, and understand at least the potential that might happen and then work on solutions should that happen. You know, because being being in despair is 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 a, is a frightening thing. Any, anyone who suffered, um, you know, that mental trauma of despair, as opposed, you know, when people say, "Oh, I'm really depressed," and you say, "Well, are you depressed, or are you just saying you're depressed because you're a bit bored?" Do you mean? Mm, and, yeah. and I'm not in light of mental health issues, but anyone that's been depressed, anyone that has suffered soul-crushing despair, knows the difference. And it's it's a sad it's a sad state to be in, and it's a hard hole to get out of once you find yourself in that you know in that despair. Um, and on the flip side, it's like you've mentioned it, love. You know, we, we we've all been in love. We we were in love with you know we, our first girlfriend, our first boyfriend, whatever. Uh, and you're in love, and then you broke up, and you were heartbroken, you were gutted, you you thought your life was ended. Then you met someone else, and then you're like. <gasps> Oh, that wasn't really love I had last time, but this is. And then mm-hmm. that relationship ends and you're on into, into your despair again and you're soul crushed and you, you, you give up on the opposite sex or, or the same sex because you're just like, oh, I don't want any more love. And then you meet someone else and then it's different again and you go, this is what it was. This is what I was missing. Um, and I think most people have been through that cycle at least two to three times, you know, some some people more. At every stage when you experience it for the next time and this is this is this is positive and negatives love despair sadness i mean i've been sad in the past and i've been crushed jermaine i that I, I i know i've had a deep sadness in my past that i don't i i, I hope to god i never beat that yeah it was incredibly sad uh very uh you know like I say soul crushing despair and then so that's my benchmark i know that i don't want to go beyond that because i only just got back from that so if something was to happen that was more than that would i be strong enough to get back from it i don't know well let me ask you this then let me ask you this now like i say i listened to your show i know you were a a gamekeeper there's more to being a gamekeeper than pulling a trigger in fact um, gamekeepers, including yourself and the ones I know, uh, are the ones that actually don't want to pull the trigger. You know, they, they're, they're hence the yeah. name gamekeeper. 
Okay, so being calm, being a gamekeeper, being out in the absolute nowhere is far better than I'm, what I'm going to say now. I see a vast majority of people, nearly all of the people that I meet or I work with, in some form or another, having OTSD, and that would be ongoing traumatic stress disorder. And what I mean by that is if you relax by watching war films, if you relax by playing Tour of Duty, this and the other, it becomes burned into your brain and makes those connections that you can only relax when you're stressed and that sort of thing. And I, I put this down. I have a beef with television. It, well, it's not television. Not if you're talking to your granny on Skype or something, although I'd be concerned because mine's long gone. That would be weird. But um, my point is this. Uh, if you relax by just watching all of this stress and these arguments and this, uh, this sort of uh, violence uh, or psychological horror, that is going to and does definitely have an effect on people. So if they didn't have that in their lives, in other words, if they suddenly lost that, Ask yourself, would they or you be as stressed? Wait, well, you're not stressed, Rob, I can tell that. Would they still be as stressed uh, as they are now? But if they could just drop all that uh, psychological, not real, fictitious violence that they're feeding themselves on, that would go a long way for helping them. And then all we've got to do is go out, either read a book or go out and, and stand on the ground like that weirdo told us to, or just go in the woods or try and make a shelter. Let's try and make fire without matches. Let's grow some potatoes. So as a gamekeeper, could you tell the difference between being still, being quiet, being in the moment and relaxed and loving to when you were uh, at your complete disparity? Oh, yeah. Chalk and cheese. There, there is that that silent, like you say, the, 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 that silent moment before you pull a trigger. There's always that contemplation, you know. Um, and. Yeah, chalk and cheese. I um, I served on two mountain rescue teams as well. And I did, in my spare time, I would just go hill walking on my own, um, completely against all the advice any mountain rescue person would tell you. I would just pack my bag and go start somewhere, tell someone where I was starting and where I expected to finish. And I, I would stick to a route. And then sometimes, you know, um, curiosity would get the better of me. And I would say, oh, I'll, I'll just bag that extra Munro you know, I'll just go off off my route and just grab that because I'm making good time. And there was some fantastic moments up in uh, around around uh, Ben McDewey and the Cairngorm area where I was stood, you know, on the top of a, a Munro with not another soul to be seen for hundreds of miles in any direction, you know, just at peace with myself nature and knowing i was comfortable i i had with me absolutely everything i needed to keep myself fed watered a good night's sleep and shelter and at any given point during my trek i could stop and just make myself at home and be at home you know how, how much roughly because i really have no idea how much is a modern xbox or a plasma tv something like that uh i think i mean xbox are old school now i think you can pick them up for you know maybe less than 100 pounds but i think that the ps5 i think they're they're, they're in the multiple hundreds i, I believe right. I, I couldn't tell you and we we recently got see we don't we, we've recently just got a tv in the house we used to have a monitor that we used to just play through an old Xbox, like a 60 quid Xbox, we would, uh, the wife's got um, Netflix and Prime. So we don't watch TV per se. We choose stuff to watch, if that makes sense. You know, we go on and go, that looks interesting. We'll watch that and see how that 
takes us you know so we do that but the other day we went out and we bought a again <laughs> i didn't want to buy it but we ended up with a smart tv for another room in the house um and that was i think that was like 170 quid it wasn't a big one it wasn't like a 52 inch i think it was only 20 24 inch or something just a small one but, i think that i think that our smart t tv was the, was actually the dumbest smart tv on the planet because it hadn't had airbags or anything it just smashed into pieces but my point <laughs> about the my point about the cost of xboxes or televisions um basically that's a few hundred quid um your experience uh, being in the, in the mountains and the hills i've done that is just um, amazing um that would be that would buy a lot of camping gear for most people and being out in the hills it costs for free and you would you would become more addicted to that, and you would not want your X phone or your PS5 or whatever it is people use. Um, I dare you to prove me wrong, people. Just buy yourself a tent. You don't have to go, as Rob says, don't go on your own, and go stay out in the forest. Don't leave litter. Don't light fires. People seem to think that if they're outside, they need to buy, uh, light a fire. You don't. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Seriously, don't. It could be catastrophic to both yourself, the forest, and more importantly, well, or as important, the wildlife. So don't do that. But Buy some camping gear and get out into nature. There'll be local groups um, that you could join or just hook up with people uh, and just say, look, let's just get away. Uh, not like a doomsday scenario. Let's just get away and just be still in the countryside. Get away from all this. When I was when I was with the horse and wagon, it was like I was a bumblebee and I'd flown onto a flower. And it was only when I was on that flower, in other words, when I was on the road with the horse, could then... I could notice that the incessant hum of everyday life was no longer present. And I suggest that if people uh, go out into the woods and properly equipped, learn a bit of map reading. Forget your sat nav because you'll be tempted to go, oh, I've got this on my phone. No, no. You want to I'm not really a golfing man, but you want to get like one of those big fat golf clubs. Stick your phone on it as you're going camping and whack it as hard as you fucking can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, do, a, do a cricket. Like, yeah. Launch it with a cricket bat. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, technology has it has its uh, usage. I mean, the amount of people we used to have to uh, rescue because they had followed their GPS. Yeah. You know, they bought their little handheld GPS. They thought they couldn't get lost. But mm. what uh, a GPS doesn't do, I mean, they probably do now, but it doesn't take into account um, the t- topography of the land. It'll say, oh, the, you know, you want to get back to your car. There's a straight line from where you are. This is where your car is. So they turn, they follow a dotted line thinking they're walking straight back to the car and they go straight off the end of a crag, you know, and then end up in a heap at the bottom because they haven't got a map or a compass and they've got no concept of, of understanding the, the ground that they're walking on, um, uh, which is sad because uh, it's nice for people like say i would encourage people to get out and and do a little bit of walking in, you know on the hills or, or in the mountains but you've got to do it safely and be aware especially if you've not done it be aware that you haven't done it you don't have that skill set so you need to be more more vigilant in, in what you're doing without just it's not going to the supermarket you know it's uh, it's a little bit more involved than that if i if i'd had the opportunity and the money to start pony scout I would have just said to anybody, come along, we'll teach you all that, and horse husbandry as well, and uh, you'll basically just be crying when it's time to go back home. But it's okay, I say, because the sooner you go home, the sooner you can come back. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, that sounds like a fantastic um, uh, like setup. I, I can imagine that. I mean, when I, I went out to the States, and me and uh, one of the guys, we went through to Arizona, 
uh, uh, Tucson we went to. And for half a day, we went pony trekking up in the Catalina Mountains, you know, like wow. like you see in the Westerns, you know. And I thoroughly like, if we'd had more time, we, we had a basically a 48-hour pass. So we had the weekend to, to go and do some stuff. Uh, everyone else piled through to um, Los Angeles. Everyone went to Hollywood. Uh, and me and Ian went the other way, and we went to Tucson. Um and if we'd had this time, I, I wanted to do the, you know, like the lazy Z ranch kind of thing where you go for the, the pony trek and you end up at a big barbecue pit, yeah. have a, 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 an American sized steak and all the trimmings. And then you sleep in a tent and then the next morning you, you trek back. That, that's what I would have liked to have done, but we didn't have the time or the resources to do that. So um, it was very much a case of, well, we did half a day of that. And then we went to a place called Colossus Cave where we, we did the tour there where we got the guided tour this big ass cave um, um fantastic and then we had a night in tucson itself down old town uh drinking went did a bit of a pub crawl uh and then the next morning you know on the sunday we, we drove back to yuma where we were operating from and then we met up with everyone and everyone was like all the guys that went to la were like oh we've seen the hollywood sign we think we've seen bruce willis we we had a, we had a cup of coffee on rodeo drive you know what did you guys do oh well, we went horseback riding and, <laughs> and went into a fucking big cave <laughs> That's a, which had a fascinating history to it um so yeah i know what i would rather have done so yeah and the value the value what you were talking about value the value of that was priceless absolutely priceless i mean to do the dude ranch thing is one of my dreams, which I will manifest. I will definitely do it. I mean, I've been talking to Jared Murphy, friend of the show. He's coming over here, uh, hopefully going to be coming to stay with us sometime this year, which means he's going to drink all my whiskey. But I hope, and I've talked to Jared about this, that he, he knows a couple of people in America, different places that have got proper uh, working ranches. And that will be one of my bucket list things to be a, on the dude ranch. That'd be awesome. Now, as far as snakes and scorpions go, um, yeah, I'll scream like a little girl. You know, I'm just going to put that out now. But, you know, it's actually being there to do that. So from something invisible, like a table, you know, the Mark One table was in somebody's mind and then they visioned it and then it came out into the in, into the corporeal world. That's the same with this. I will do a, uh, I will ride the horse on the range. I mean, that's something to me is a horse is a noble creature and we can learn a lot from it. You know, patience, um, loyalty, and, uh, you know, you can go absolutely fucking skit, skittering bananas at times, as we all can. But, <laughs> yeah, you know. uh, yeah, absolutely. So complacency, so complacency, that meant. So it's not really dad the horse. It means we shouldn't become complacent about anything we believe we have control of. So we, we believe we have control of a horse. Um, we're wrong. You know, it's, it's a symbiotic relationship of, you know, uh, age old nobility um, and, a, and a lovely relationship. But as soon as you think start, unless a horse is trained, like a ranch horse or a polo pony, if you think that I'm in, in charge, that you're going to go wrong really quickly. Uh, y- yes. Um, multiple things went through my head there because it's like fire. Well, you know, we're, we're clever people and we, we think we control fire. You don't control nature like that. And that no. extends throughout animals as well. You, you might have, it's we tell our kids, we've got two dogs, they're lovely house pets, but I, I have to constantly remind them that they are still dogs at the end yep. of the day. Yeah. Yep. So, so approaching them, quickly from behind or suddenly sticking your face in theirs and saying boo or whatever is a stupid thing to do. <laughs> do yep. you know what I mean? Yep. So yep. they're still a dog and they're loving. Let them come to you. Let them sit on your lap. Let them, you know, if they want to lick your face or whatever, that's them engaging with you. Don't try it the other way around because if they don't want to be engaged with, 
it can turn nasty very quickly. And as loving as they are, they're still a dog, you know, and you, you know, you've got to be wary of that. My cousin who was very big into her horses when she was down in Wilshire, she taught me three very important things about horses. The first was they're, they're a lot smarter than you give them credit for. Never approach them from the behind and they are a lot smarter than you give them credit for. Yeah, that oh, yeah. was the three, the three things she always taught me about horses, and yeah. I and I remember that. Um, and and ever since when I when I was on the Highland Estate, all our deer extraction was with pony. Yeah, uh, that that I wasn't stalking on that estate. I was uh, the groundsman, so I was growing vegetables and stuff. But that's when mm-hmm. I got my 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 bug for the whole stalking thing. So did a little bit of gillying. But like I say, the we used to get guys in and the the Highland ponies for deer extraction is a sight to be seen, you know, special horseshoes with a, a little heel on them for coming down the slopes, special saddle set up, you know, um, it, it was an art form, you know, so it was nice to, to, to see it old school that in that, in that context. I think while it's in my brain, I'll have to ask you a favor that maybe consider coming to stay at ours next year, because I want to set up a, a productive veg garden. Now I've done the usual dig a hole, throw the spuds in, and get, you know, something that's got a stone in it and probably a worm waving. But maybe consider coming to our state and then we'll plan a proper polytunnel, raised beds, that sort of thing. Because obviously I've heard your show before you're into the nose, so maybe consider that. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I get, a bottle of, I'll get a bottle of whiskey in, obviously. So that, that's right. So if you were buying a bottle of whiskey, what are you buying? Oh, you put me on the spot here. Well, okay. Um, I would say probably Glenfiddich would be one of my favourites. If it's something that I just want to... Um, it's whiskey based and I really like, and it's very dangerous, uh, something like, uh, Clevar. But if it's, if it's whiskey, then it'll be Glenfiddich would be my whiskey. That's, that's Ooh. what I drink. All right. Okay. I'll bear that in mind. I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm West coast. Um, any, anything from Jura and my, my absolute favorite is Brookladdock, which is, Jura. Again... is that Jura? Is that the one with the ankh? On yes. Of yeah, yeah. You've got yeah, right. superstition. There's, origins and there's another one that escapes me but i I like any single malts like but my whiskey taste is uh, i prefer the west coast and as you move slowly east when when you hit abalawa Mm -hmm. single malt abalawa is is where i kind of draw the line anything east of that i i I don't like it i like the the further west i go the, the more i enjoy it that's there's actually, a, there's actually a Welsh whiskey that I've had. Um, you, know, you spend a lot of time in Penderyn, uh, and yep. they've, they've actually got their own whiskey, and that's a good one as well. I find the Jura, I love it. I certainly wouldn't push a glass away. Uh, or, do you find it quite peaty, more than Glenfiddich? A lot. Oh more. yeah, 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 yeah. But I like that. I like that. Um, that kind of like um, heathery, peaty kind of taste to it. That's the, that's the north in your blood speaking right there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That, that yeah i think that there's an ancestral thing going on there i think yeah because uh, but my my ancestors it does it only takes a generation to they, they were like fishermen and they they were sailing around from the shetland and through the orkneys and and they're like you know that that's where they all hail from and then one settled down in glasgow and then the rest is history as they say wow. so uh but yeah i've i've a bit like you said, I've traveled, I've, I've been, I've been around the world more, more times than I'd like to, you know, I've been to the Southern hemisphere twice. Um, I've been to the middle East, uh, for various reasons. And I've, I've been up and down the country. I, I worked for a time in Hammersmith. Um, I've lived in Leeds. I've lived in, um, Newcastle. 
lived a little uh, a short time in in Derbyshire. I've been to the west coast. I've been to the north of Scotland. Um, ah, you know, too, too many places to mention. You know, would, would you the, ever would you ever go on a all expenses paid tour? Go and go anywhere you want. Antarctica. Would you ever go there if you were given the chance? Oh, damn right. Damn right. I, I, w- I would do Antarctica, and I would also like to do the North Pole. Oh, like, okay. I, I, yeah, I think I think there's probably more there than the. W- w- everyone seems to neglect the North Pole, but I, I would certainly go to Greenland and then see if there was a trip to go to maybe not the magnetic North Pole, but definitely what is deemed the North Pole, if that makes sense, the geographic North Pole as opposed to the magnetic. Yeah. North Pole. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. But, that that comes back to my uh, map reading as well. Knowing the difference between grid north, magnetic north, and true north. Yes. You know? <laughs> but, um, I used to te- all, I used to teach it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, no, no, yeah, map reading, and and uh, I love maps. I, I love mm-hmm. um, maps, old maps. I love seeing what people used to interpret. I love old maps. If you you must have you. you you go into a pub in Scotland, there's sometimes there's an old map of Scotland and it's kind of like a hand drawn and it's kind of got the shape that they say we are. And, and then there's little marks and then someone's drawn a line where they think a river runs, you know, and you still see places you look, you go, ah, well, they knew that place was there and they've drawn it next to the river. So they weren't far wrong, you know, and that's just someone potentially just on horseback, just kind of thinking in a, in a three dimensional, two dimensional way. You know what I mean to, to travel, Overground, and then transfer that into a flat medium. It, it, I think yeah. that's a that's a skill. It's a skill. Yeah. Well, what I'll do is you haven't got my address, have you? No, I do not. Okay. But... Well, wh- when we do get together, all I'll give you is the sheet number and the six-figure grid reference. That's all I'll give you. How's that? that that's fine. I can do that. <laughs> I, I, can, I can do six-figure grid references. That yeah. I used to geocache. Um, all right. It, right so I i've used heard to, of it yeah yeah i used to do geocaching and you're supposed to use uh, uh, a gps you know um but part of the mountain rescue team what we used to do was we would do the geocaching but we would use it as a skip as a as a training aid to navigate to eight figure grid references because you had to be within that kind of you know 100 meter kind of block to to find some of these things and yeah. that's what we use so we would practice finding and I mean, six six is kind of a, a standard, but trying to do it to eight. So you divide that small square into another block of ten. You know, you know that one centimeter per square. You yeah. have to kind of visualize that in your head. Where mm. um, where nine? Well, you, knowing the corners is easy. You know, like nine and and ten are there. It's when you were in the twos and threes. So you're kind of like it's right in that bottom square corner you know and if you depend on the scale of the map you might spot something like like a tiny crag or something and you go ah there's something there it's that little cluster of rocks that's where we're looking you know and that used to be great fun you weren't allowed to use a gps which would give you up to 10 10 digits yeah so, yeah but i oh, know fascinating so well let's let's see we're talking Positive thoughts and nice whiskeys. Yeah. Yep, Can yep. you give me your white pill? What would be your white pill simply manifestation? Put, simply put, Rob, my white pill moment would be everybody suddenly realizing that enough is enough. And this is everybody and the whole world. So it's what's the the lady who cleans the toilets and does a damn fine job. Realizing that we need to get on and 
the way we're going is not the right way. So suddenly deciding that they sort everything out, politics, media, healthcare, homes, food, water, everything. They sort everything out and then the rest will follow, you know, future generations, the environment, this, that and the other. Just so everybody suddenly realised uh, that, that, you know, enough is enough and everybody was in agreement. Maybe it's a bit of a fantasy, but one I hold dear to my heart. I think that's a positive note to finish on. Would, is there anything you'd like, if you've got a, a closing statement, if you well, want you'd like to read yeah, out? I, yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to. Um, slightly different, because this is a retake of what we did. Uh, slightly different. Um, I've been kind of thinking about this. Um, obviously, you can check the podcast out at the slkpodcast.com. Find me on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, the Simon Laurie King podcast. But my closing thoughts are this. Everything myself and Robert discussed, everything you've listened to, boils down, as far as I'm concerned, to one thing. That we live on a planet that I am definitely more likely to get abducted by aliens, taken to their home world, and declared grand overlord than ever waking up to a world now at peace.